you have no choice. You are once again <laughs> listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. A series of decisions has brought you to this place, and we are spending the evening here together tonight. This podcast features the open money musings of two mid 40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment relevance. I am your co host, Bill Scurry, the impresario behind American Caesar Enterprises, a full service mortuary. I am joined, as always, by my co host. Your co-host is Noah Tarno, founder, senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular, which, by the way, is a real thing, unlike <laughs> in Mortuary. Uh, American Caesar is, you know what, uh, it's not just a real thing. It's actually a, a, it's a real incorporated business entity on two yes. continents. Yes, it is. But you're not like, look, if, if a relative dies, don't call Bill, okay? He's not a mortuary. <laughs> well, if you, want, if you want support, you call me, but I, I can't actually help you. No, actually, you don't do that either. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I cannot help you with embalming. You want a shoulder to cry on. Right. Call Bill Scurry. I can't help you engage in a cross, bringing a a cadaver across state lines. That's really out of my expertise. However, I'm very good empathetically in a crisis. Um, Like, seriously, like, let's say my spouse, of which I don't have, but let's say I have a spouse and she dies. Can I just keep the body around? Is that No. No, you cannot do that. That is illegal in every single state, including Alaska. That is um, really there's a, there's a specific crime on the books that that covers that instance and a number of other instances. It's like so. Mis- what if what if I'm what if I'm like all right, embalm the body, but then I want to keep the body sitting on my living room couch. No, it, at that point the body is on a uh, timer. You have to get into the ground. I mean, there are different but, ways to but, sort but, of. But I'm allowed. I'm allowed to have it cremated and keep the cremains in a you know in an urn. On my mantle yeah, piece. but it's a nerd at that point. Do you remember we were talking about this, not recently, but we, we did talk about this at one point, that Casey Kasem had a very grim ending. And same thing with James Brown. There are instances of people who die and then are not buried for a long oh, time. Oh, because people are fighting fighting over the body. Yeah, and somehow you but, right, But 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 in my scenario, there's no fighting, right? Right. Me and my wife are shut-ins. We have no children, no friends. No one gives a shit. So it's not like anyone else cares. What's the difference between me having... I understand, all right, it needs to be processed in some way. Okay. So I take it to the mortuary that is not run by you. They embalm it. <laughs> Why I have, can't I, I have, have the body back? It's fucking all, my wife. No one cares. I have very reasonable rates. Second of all, okay. uh, because the uh, the uh, it's, it all has to do with hygiene. You cannot uh, maintain a body, even embalm, even an embalmed body as is on a clock. Uh, you got to get that thing into the ground. You have to turn it inert. Either put it in the ground or get it cremated and or hydrolyzed. Really? And, and embalmed is not inert. What if like I encase it in lucite or amber or something like that? Anaer- anaerobically, it would mummify. I still think right. that so what? I can't have a mummy? Can't I have my wife in a sarcophagus? I may be out of my depth in this one. And I'm, I really... I, I think I, you are. I kind of want to see where the rabbit hole goes on this one. I'll be honest with you. And right. I, I do have a wife. So th- this does this affects me personally. Yes, exactly. And I'm sure that's exactly what your wife wants to happen to her body when she dies. She wants to stay on your couch. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it's continuity at least. She just looks a little yeah. more tanned like a bacon beef jerky or something <laughs> like that. So, no, let me ask you something. Yeah. In, in the annals of a podcast, which we are doing, yeah. in fact, what's our topic yes. this week? We are looking at... This is one of these times where we're looking at something that's been around for a while. But there is a reason. Uh, we're looking at uh, Mr. David Chappelle. 
a stand-up comedian, an actor. To some, some would call him, some have called him, the greatest stand-up comedian of all time. All right, the hook, Noah references the hook. This is important because this this was my yes. idea. Uh, this is a lob shot by me because I saw something this week that I thought, oh, this is irresistible. David Chappelle was being given the Mark Twain Humor Prize in D.C., yes. which, you know, is is all sorts of sentimental for him because he's a D.C. product. I'm sure anybody who is listening to the sound of my voice has some opinions on um, Dave Chappelle, and they probably altered over the years from one thing to another. But the guy certainly put the work in, and uh, it's weird because he's not who you expect. You expect, But if um, you look at the list of people, first of all, the first winner was Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. right? Is that I'm looking I, here. I don't know. Yeah, you got some old school guy. You got Carl. Okay, so they've only been giving this out for 20 years. Richard Pryor, Jonathan Winters, Carl Reiner, Whoopi Goldberg, Bob Newhart, Lily Tomlin, Lorne Michaels, Steve Martin, Neil Simon, Billy Crystal, George Carlin, Bill Cosby, rescinded, (laughs) Tina Fey, Will Ferrell, Ellen DeGeneres, Carol Burnett, Jay Leno, Eddie Murphy, Bill Murray, David Letterman, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Dave Chappelle. I mean, there's no one, you know, they didn't give it to freaking Dane Cook. Or they didn't give it. No, I guess more to your point, they give it to like, you know, PJ O'Rourke. Yes, someone very F- fustiest, yeah. a fusty establishment. Yeah, types no, they're not doing the that. They're not doing all okay. of these people. At some point, have have made me laugh. Okay, I, I don't hate any of these people. I hate that Bill Cosby's a rapist, right? But I liked a lot of his work. And we hate Dane Cook so too. All just, of these, just to be sure, you know that. I don't think Dane Cook's the worst person in the world, and he didn't win the Mark Twain Humor Prize. I'm just in Mark case Twain it happens next America. year, I'm just putting yes. that out there. We bring up the Mark Twain Humor Prize. One of the great metrics of the show, and this is completely spontaneous, and this is a gift to the world from my good friend Noah Tarno, is that Thank he you. has he has often said as a benchmark of horror in the apocalypse category for many of the topics we've had if blankety blank gets the mark twain prize for yes, humor if smosh if smosh gets the mark twain prize <laughs> for america maybe the i first think that was time, probably yeah. the first time i mentioned it, it. might have been oh, but my, it, or or my brother my brother and me yeah if they get this has been this great thing i think it's it's been a great bit of hyperbole but it's also made sense this isn't the conversation. This is not Smosh getting the Mark Twain prize. This is Dave Chappelle getting right. the Mark Twain prize. This is so, Dave Chappelle. Big difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. But I thought, man, this is great. First of all, it's a good reason to talk about Dave Chappelle because he has been banging around, I guess, for the early part of 19 uh, with a couple of comedy, cent- uh, not comedy central, a couple of Netflix specials that have attracted some level of controversy. He was in A Star is Born last year uh, on top right. of that. In a, in a weird little very satisfying uh, performance as almost like a glorified cameo. Just in case you are kind of coming in super late, folks, Dave Chappelle, like I said, is a comedian born in 1973, grew up in D.C., lives in Ohio with his wife and three children. So uh, let's say he's been doing comedy since he was a teenager, and I, I think that literally 16 or 17 years old, he would take the train from D.C. to New York because he just saw these signifiers of the improv or stand-up New York or wherever, uh, whatever it was at the time, and he just thought, oh, that's where they do comedy. Not thinking that you have to work your way up there through all these crappy little clubs. He just decided to jump the line because he was a teenager and he was sort of ignorant of the hierarchy. Yeah, but how did he do that? You don't I just think, show up at a club and get on. I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think that worked, but I think that was the beginning of him saying, okay, this is where I need to start. But he, he came, the fact that he started so early is what really, you know, it's apparent that he's like a comedy Doogie Howser. The guy started in an early age. His generation, he's younger than the 
other people in his class. There were some guys who were 10 years older. There were some guys who were five years older than him. The same kind of people that he, he's 46 now. So he's got two years on us. He'd said that he was doing comedy with Ray Romano. I think it says something about his drive as a comedian. So he begins there. He did a bunch of cameos. He had, uh, I think it was in 98, he did a 30-minute comedy special on HBO. But his real big breakout was in 2000, he did a full hour. He was Tom Hanks' buddy in You Got Mail, which I thought even at the time was odd because he looked a lot younger than him. And he was in in Con Air. Remember Con Air? Sure. He was the guy who started the riot on the plane because he had swallowed like nitroglycerin. He pulled it out of his mouth. Right. Or something like that. Well, he was also in um, Half Baked. I mean, more people remember from Half yeah, Baked. But, but Half Baked was his project. Yes. I, mean, I think he wrote Half Baked. I think so. And there had to be some element of luck in like, hey, we need a wacky black guy for this small part, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't earn it. I'm not saying he wasn't satisfied the needs of that part. I'm just saying he was, like, he was right. Could have been a lot. Could have been a lot of wacky black guys. Sure. And, and Dave Chappelle was lucky enough to get it. I'd say his meteoric rise begins in 2000 with Killing Him Softly, the, the 60 minutes he does for HBO. Not that I didn't see him beforehand, but I thought, I mean, that show was seismic to me. I just thought, wow, every single minute of this 60-minute show was just incredible. I'd never seen anybody doing his work like that before. And so I thought he was dropped in front of us as this, uh, uh, you know, completely developed comedian just because he seemed so good, but he put the work into it. You all know Chappelle's show. You all know what happened with that. He was into the third season, and he walked away from it because he felt like this machine had gotten out of control. He felt like it was spinning out of his uh, orbit. This is where uh, Dave Chappelle vanishes for a little while. He does sparse amount of interviews. He was on Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. He was on Oprah, and he was cryptic along these you know he talked in generalities about it and he did not seem at all the funny comedian he seemed like a very sober person with a lot on his mind which is not what anybody thought of him as and that's not what they thought was happening on the set of those shows but for the most part stayed away from comedy for a while until he started doing he got hard on the road in the 2010s i think maybe 2012 2013 he started doing a lot of gigs no it was after that he was he was nowhere for 12 years he signed a $20 million per release comedy special deal with Netflix in 16, and he's released five specials since then. I hadn't watched these. They're out there in the world. I just don't really, I'm not in the habit of watching an hour of comedy because it's, even if it's a guy I like, like him, it's just something that's not my, my media diet. But for the purpose of the show, I watched a bunch of the most, the more recent ones, and, uh, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today is to see what the deal is with Dave, what the deal is with the transphobia, because that's been part of the tumult around Dave Chappelle has been accusations of transphobia based on the Comedy Central, not the Comedy Central, based on the Netflix specials. Keep doing it, man. They're paying you, Comedy Central. What would be required viewing is sticks. If you want to do it, I'm not saying anybody should do it. I'm just saying it's like, you know, I think that we're going to begin most recently and sort of push back from that. But the thing is, I think we we both watch Sticks and Stones, for instance. So I'm going to ask Noah... Uh, what do you make of the Dave Chappelle phenomenon, especially recently, in regards to him being given the uh, Mark Twain Award? All right. So first of all, I think Dave Chappelle is awesome. Really good stand-up. Uh, I think he several of the very basic elements of great stand-up. I think he nails. I think he has very good timing. I think he fulfills the cliche, which is true, that he's saying what we are thinking. He is speaking uh, perhaps taboo truths that are nonetheless truths. Um, 
And uh, what I think he's very good is showing some good self-awareness about that. Making it another another element of great stand-up is making it sound like it's just a friend talking to you, like it's off the cuff. I get the impression in a lot of cases for him, it is off the cuff. Maybe that's just me being further fooled. I mean, maybe every little element of off the cuffness is, is carefully practiced in his part. I feel like it isn't, but maybe that just shows how good he is. The last few days in preparation for this, I've been rewatching a lot of stuff and kind of sharpening my opinion of him. I always liked him. I was never that into him. I always felt like he was overrated because while I thought he was good, he just, he seemed a little too casual and off the cuff to me. I didn't see the hard work there. Watching it more intently, I'm seeing the hard work more clearly. And I'm perfectly fine with him being considered one of the best stand-ups Today, I don't know if ever, stand-up is such a personal, not personal, but all art, like your opinion is personal. So like, who do I think are the best stand-ups ever? Probably George Carlin and Rodney Dangerfield. And look, I, I relate to them because I, I relate to Carlin especially because somewhat geeky white guy with a love of language and play. And Rodney was certainly about play and in some cases language. And I feel like Chappelle less so. Chappelle doesn't play with language that much. However, when you watch him more clearly, I start seeing the more playful elements. I start seeing the character bits and the voices. He doesn't foreground that the way Carlin did, or Rodney's whole thing was a character, uh, but a masterful character that worked on a thousand different levels. There's elements of the best stand-up that Chappelle doesn't quite nail. Then I compare Chappelle to Louis C.K., who, until recently for a variety of reasons, in fact, was I would I declared the best working stand-up. And part of what I loved about Louis was that he was um, he was saying what I was thinking, often these, these unspoken truths. So why did I think Louis of four years ago was better than Dave Chappelle? Well, because I relate to Louis more because I'm a white guy. Chappelle does a very good job of straddling the line between black and white worlds, for lack of better terms. He is very much very African-American. He throws around the N-word all the time. But I love how he uses it to refer to everyone. That's great. Like, that is fantastic. Like when, when, he, when, he is, when he's speaking, in the, when he talks about Paul Revere in one of his specials. <laughs> Paul Revere talking <laughs> to other guys. And Paul Revere calls other people that. So clearly for him, it's not, I mean, he does have bits where he talks about it being used for black people. But like how it just, it's a way, it's like a guy, it's like dude or Bro. man. And while a lot of black people use that for each other, I love the way that he just says every, he pretends everyone uses it for everyone else. That and motherfucker. <laughs> and he just makes it sound so great and he, he finds the humor in those things. He could just make it into something, you know, he can defang it in such a frankly entertaining way. So that's, that's pretty masterful. But he straddles these worlds, which is really great and very smart. And that speaks to why he gets the humor prize. I mean, look, the first winner was Richard Pryor. So it's hard to say this humor prize has been all about P.J. O'Rourke or even Bob Newhart, who, by the way, fucking Bob Newhart was a master. Yes, he was. A master. So yeah, old white guy, redolent of the 60s, used to be an accountant, a great comedian. Well, let's get into the transphobia. I disagree with some of what he said about trans people. Basically, the thing he said that I most disagree with is trans people are funny. The concept is funny. I've gotten to know many trans people, and before I got to know them, I thought it was a little weird. Uh, I think there's nothing wrong with finding it, with it making you somewhat uncomfortable. It upends some very basic assumptions of our society. I think that's only fair that people have trouble wrapping their mind around it. Transphobia, to me, is when you refuse to wrap your mind around it. You say no to that. So while I disagree that trans people are funny, that, to use this terminology, a man in a dress is funny, I don't find that hateful. My opinion on this is just my opinion. I am not an authority on this. My opinion doesn't matter that much. But I disagree that they're funny. 
I don't find that hateful, especially since I think Chappelle, he takes pains to very often say, he's like, this is my problem. This is my thing. If you hear what I say and then you go out and beat the shit out of a trans person, you are an awful person anyway and you're probably going to do something awful well, anyway. well, he deals with the dichotomy of, like you say, the idea that I'm poking fun at you, but he also is attempting to inject dignity and in saying everybody is entitled to uh, happiness and I love everybody. And he's saying I have, I have hang-ups hang, hang and holdovers about this sort of thing. So in a way, it is a little bit of um, contradiction. So again, I don't agree with everything he says. But A, I personally don't find it hateful. A trans person has a deeper and probably more informed opinion of this than I do. A, I don't find it hateful. B, I think there's a lot of depth in what he says on a lot of topics. And I think it would be a shame to throw out the baby with the bathwater over this. Uh, you know, getting back to Louis C.K., when, when the accusations against Louis C.K. first came out, I personally hesitated to say, he's an awful person, I'm writing him off, I'm canceling him. Because what he did was sleazy, but people were lumping him in with Harvey Weinstein, and that just seemed like a big fucking difference for a lot of reasons. What really got me go and I thought his apology was pretty good. I mean, I know a lot of people have said it sucks. But then when he came back, he started saying some stuff that I that literally I did find transphobic. He said some very MAGA sounding, oh, you want to be addressed as they uh, address me? Like, you're a kid. You should be going out doing drugs. Like, that is the epitome of the sheltered, oh, this is the way it is for me. Therefore, it's the way it should be for everyone. I don't think Dave Chappelle says that. I think Chappelle... There's a lot there. Uh, Sticks and Stones, I thought, was a little defensive, his newest special. I think he gets at some truths about cancel culture going too far and the accusations. And it's hard to be a celebrity. I mean, it's a stupid way to phrase it, but okay. One of his specials from 2017, The Bird Revelation, I thought was great because I think he gets into the play element I talk about. He does more physical comedy. He does more voices. He does more funny faces. I think there's a huge place for funny faces in stand-up i mean that's rodney was the genius of that and Chappelle does that while having these deep observations i mean this pat noswalt's latest special i keep talking about how great that is because he talks about his wife suddenly dying and have to break the news to his six-year-old daughter in the deepest saddest terms but he doesn't go 30 seconds without a laugh and Chappelle does the same thing talking about the deepest issues of racism and Me Too and all that. And I want to quote something he says. This is in 2017. Everybody gets mad because I say these jokes. You got to understand this is the best time to say them. More now than ever. Comedians in the back. He's referring to comedians in the back of the club. Where he's, you have a responsibility to speak recklessly. Otherwise, my kids may never know what reckless talk is. The joys of being wrong. I didn't come here to be right. I just came here to fuck around. I think he's underselling himself a little. I also think he is being a little disingenuous. I just came here to fuck around. The comedian is supposed to, you're supposed to disagree with some things the comedian says. That's the point. And you can disagree with people without saying they are horrible or transphobic. You know, there are stand-ups who are entertaining, but are, you know, I don't hate Dane Cook. I think Dane Cook's okay. I don't think there's much there, but I think there's something there about Dave Chappelle. You know, there's meat on that bone. It is both delicious and nutritious. And let's let's value that as a society. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that we do. You know, I think that, as usual, my uh, intrepid, valiant co-host, you do tend to encapsulate many of my thoughts before I even have them. Um, I think that you are correct. I mean, I watched a bunch of his shows. Like I said, haven't seen a few. I haven't seen much of him in years other than the cultural footprint. You know, I, I did see the... Um, Star is Born movie. And- see, I, another reason I got to see that. I, I wanted to see that. I never saw it. 
And then just this week, I read, I didn't know he was in it. And now I'm like, damn it, another reason to go see this fucking movie. I think, you know, when I watched that movie, I this is one of these things, Noah, was did you notice that Chappelle's voice, and granted, like I said, I haven't seen the guy in a while, his voice sounds so much older. The smoking, the tobacco yeah. has made yeah. him so much more huskier and growlier. Yeah. Like, it, it is so different from the... He's a rasp now he did not have in 2004. And it's almost disconcerting because it, the funny thing is his body is bigger and more swole than... You know, he was a lanky, loose limb. Yeah, he's been working out. He's clearly yes. been working out. Yeah, he's clearly jacked up. The guy's got yeah. a, his, his chest is ripped, and he's got these big shoulders and these big biceps. And um, I mean, he looks a much different physical archetype. But at the same time, he's a bigger man, and he's got this Tabasco rasp. Uh, he's got this tobacco rasp. And you, you could get that by you could get that by pouring Tabasco sauce directly down your throat. Right. We haven't talked about this. Walking away from Chappelle's show was this. You know, some people saw it as a stupid move. Some people saw it as a baller move. Part of the reason I I was never crazy about him before is I saw him as an egomaniac. And I thought that, but now that I've thought about it more and heard more about why he walked away, it seems less so. I think he has some of that, and I think the smoking on stage is his way of going, fuck it. I am so big, I am yeah, so awesome yeah. that I'm going to get away with this. I mean, I'm sure he he made, you know, the club knew he was going to do it, but he said, oh, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't let me smoke during my set, I will perform elsewhere. And there are other clubs that will be happy to have me, and he's that powerful. It's part of the uh, rated R thing. Where it's yeah. like you know that this is not com- – it's almost like a visual signifier that you are not watching comedy that is written for the benefit of 14-year-olds. Not following the rules. I could like, And I think that's very wise of you to say. It's like I walked away from this all once. I could do it again. This motherfucker's grades were so good. He got all the way from the hood to an Ivy League school with a full scholarship. From there, the motherfucker got himself into one of the best law schools in the country. And when he was in law school, he met a woman, and they fell in love, and they were going to get married. I remember him telling me about it. He was home for Christmas, and I told him, I said, my man, my man, save that bitch for late in your life. I guess there's a two-part question here. Why is Dave Chappelle popular? Why do some people consider him the best ever? And why is he the 2019 recipient of the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor? Does he properly embody the values of Samuel Langhorne Clemens? Well, that I can't say for sure, but I I, okay. I didn't know Samuel Langhorne Clemens, but I do know this. The first answer is he's popular because he's good at what he does. Now, that's not always the answer for that question on this show, but I do think that in this case, he's been at a very high level going on for mm, over 20 years now. And he's had a lot of vagaries and vicissitudes, public and private that you've watched the business change, you've watched him change the business, and you a lot of people don't have the staying power. We're not talking about Carlos Mencia. We're not even talking about Dane Cook. <laughs> Dane Cook was a guy that made a gigantic splash, but he's not. there's nothing permanent about him, or at least not right now there isn't. Somehow, Dave Chappelle managed to mix comedy, brutal reality, irony, and outrage in such a way that synthesized a nice, smooth pasta. A fettuccine rolls out of the machine as you crank it. It's apparent that he was born to eat material and, you know, just like photosynthesize comedy and stand up out of it. 
and he's proven to be very good at it over a long period of time. Uh, that's a tangent to this the, the Mark Twain thing, maybe, because I was going to say this middle stage I think of as that part of Dave Chappelle is that a lot of people who are pushing back at PC culture. By the way, I'm not one of them, nor do I think Noah's one of them. But a lot of people like to champion people who are pushing back at the quandary that no one could make jokes anymore. And that, those yeah, aren't my words. That That's bullshit. It's bullshit. Either no one, bullshit. No one can make jokes anymore or you can't say anything about anything. Whatever this... Yeah, it's myth, so wrong. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a fable. Uh, people are doing just fine. People are being exactly as offensive as they were. But they're also finding a way to be victims as they're insulting other people. And so Dave Chappelle isn't even doing that. I feel like Dave Chappelle isn't even rubbing it in everybody's faces of like, oh, I'm the victim here. As much as he is talking about cancel culture. And he brings up the trans thing. And he does skirt the line a little bit of too much self-pity. It does get there. I don't think it overwhelms his material because I think he always brings it back down to trying to make the audience understand that you have dignity and you should feel that they do too. And I I think everyone has dignity, which a lot of people who are so-called bad boys and rule breakers don't ever leaven the message with any sense of humanity. They just want to just burn things down. And uh, that that's bullshit. We were talking about this before we got on we start recording that like what is conservative humor right now and i think conservative humor right now is just bullying it's just owning the libs punching down and yeah. it's yeah but like explicitly like i laugh at liberal tears so you know they are literally taking joy in that that's the point of it yeah dave, dave, dave Chappelle doesn't do any of those things he works at a high level he's consistent the guy doesn't uh, doesn't shank it. He doesn't he doesn't dog it. He seems to do good work. He and he's legit born to be a comedian. So that's exactly the kind of guy that I would uh, highlight for that kind of award. If that's in fact what it's about, I would say that Dave is the spirit of American humor right now. Certainly doing as good work as anybody. Again, I don't know. Not knowing what Carlos Mencia is up to, like I said. But <laughs> well, I don't know. I think one thing you leave out, and that I try to highlight, is I think he gets a little deeper. Yes, I think I think that, and I look at some of these recipients, and even some of them I like. I don't think I don't think get very deep. Um, I mean, did Whoopi Goldberg ever get deep? You know, I mean, back in the day, I, yes. People hate on Jay Leno. Uh, I think Jay Leno's fine, but he's certainly not deep. Uh, Eddie Murphy, you know, I guess he got a little, nah, he got a little deep on relationships, but that's it. Uh, David Letterman did in a cryptic way. But whatever, I think now is we are in a politically charged time. We are in a time now more than ever that we need to think about these issues. These issues are coming to the fore. This is the silver lining of the Orange Goblin being president, is that it is forcing us to have difficult conversations that need to be had. And Chappelle is is expressing that as entertainingly, as any, striking the balance of entertaining and deep. And you can disagree with some of what he says. You could be offended by some of what he says. But in my opinion, it is still very much worth hearing. The next one's a little harder. I want to see if you can guess who it is I'm doing an impression of. All right, let me get into character. You got to guess who it is, though. <clears throat> okay, here it goes. Uh, duh. Hey, duh. If you do anything wrong in your life, Duh, and I find out about it, I'm going to try to take everything away from you. And I don't care what I find out. Could be today, tomorrow, 15, 20 years from now, if I find out you're fucking duh finished. Who, who's that? That's you. Noah Tarno, if you were a kid, would you be digging Dave Chappelle? I mean, I was really into stand-up as a kid. But for me, a lot of it was the people I related to. I loved Letterman. I loved Carlin. I loved Dangerfield. I didn't have the wherewithal 
to see as much value in people who are very different from me. So, you know, it's, this is this is the building blocks of racism. Is like, oh, Dave Chappelle would have been too black for me. But I don't know. The world is multiracialism is more an issue now than it was when I was a kid. So I like to think I would have more active awareness of that. You know, I think I'd like him and think he's good, but like, no, he wouldn't speak to me the way Carlin or Letterman or there'd be some young comic who'd speak to me. Like my nephews now are 15. They love comedy and they love uh, Eric Andre. You know, Eric Andre? Yeah, he's, he's great. I, he's an acquired taste, but I, I, I have acquired that taste. Yeah, but yeah, I might be it to someone younger. I don't think I'd be passionate about him, but it's impossible to say. What about you? Yeah, when I saw Killing Them Softly in 2000, like he just won me over. He ran me over like a freight train. And granted, how old were we in 2000? We were 25 that's not yep. a kid but somehow something Chappelle has always done has uh, you know resonated with me with from, from an age before I started becoming really critical about comedy and I did like you I I loved stand up when I was a kid I loved comedy I watched so much of it and so many of the comedians who are elder statesmen of today were the guys who were green and young and inexperienced and barely funny then uh, Dave Chappelle would have been right at my alley because it's like again if I'm seeing him for the first time and he's blowing my uh, blowing my ears open when I'm 25 there's no doubt if I was 15 I'd be watching this guy he struck me as very um, he was able to walk away from the show and able to walk away from $30 million or whatever dump truck of money was driven to his house when they asked him to do another two seasons of Chappelle's show because he was so highly regarded. And he says in one of his newer specials, like, oh, I didn't know if I'd ever work again. And I guess that's true. But I don't know. It seemed pretty obvious to me that after he walked away from that show, that was from a position of power. And he knew the moment he wants to come back, the red carpet will be rolled out. Every club would let him perform. Every network would sit down for a meeting with him, and maybe I someone. I don't know about that. I think it's you a don't think gamble. so. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I just not, from my point of view, where I can't get. It just seems to me like who's not going to take a meeting with Dave Chappelle? What yeah, but club a, is not going to put up a Dave Chappelle. There's a difference between twenty million and five hundred thousand dollars, and I'm not saying they're both not great, enviable positions to be in. However. Um, he could have got a meeting, but the thing is, it's like the $30 million man is one thing. The half a million dollar man is a completely different quantity. Fucking Dave, Dave Attell probably makes at least that much money, if not more. But nobody really knows him other than the fact that he's a comedian's comedian. And he does, you know, real hardcore work and is also a really solid, dependable guy who came up in that same, he came up in that same uh, era, but he's not making the big bucks. He's not on HBO the same way Dave Chappelle is, you know? I didn't say it to him, but I said it in front of him so he could hear it. I said, I fucking hate being poor. He just threw his newspaper on the floor and he said, David, David, David. He said, poor is a mentality. He said it's a mentality that very few people ever recover from. Don't you forget it, son. You are broke. In any way is the rise of Dave Chappelle, the existence of Dave Chappelle, the transphobia, perhaps, of Dave Chappelle, the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor earned by Dave Chappelle, are any of these things in any way a sign of the apocalypse? That's why I love this question the most this week because this was the figure of speech, the sort of construction that we took for years to be the worst thing in the world. If somebody unworthy made this merit, if, if it was somehow given to them. And the nice thing is, yes, we're not talking about Smosh. We can walk off the ledge and take the rope from around our necks. It is Dave, <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Quality 
rises to the top, quality wins, hard work, the recognition of your peers, um, all those things. And I mean, I'm, I'm being very complimentary and salutary to the guy. And it's like, I really apologize if anyone in the sound of my voice is over him because of the transphobia. Like, that's not a fiction. That's definitely inside the work as a text. Like, you don't have to really go very hard to read that. How you interpret it could be different depending on who's there. You can see it as being semi-ironic. You can see it as a guy working through on stage. But it's true. It's a quotient to it. People are angry for a good reason. And I'm not going to convince somebody to give him a shot. I'm not going to convince someone to try to like him. I mean, I would never do that. I would never insult someone's intelligence. As if my word has any weight to it anyway. But I do happen to see somebody here who's obviously got intelligence. It looks like he's mostly well-intended. He's got de uh, delectation, hard work, drive, and good direction. So, I mean, this is comedy the way I think I was sort of designed as a young person to see it as I got older. I'm not displeased by this. Yeah, I agree pretty much 100%. Uh, the, the only thing I'll add is I've hinted a few times, I've said a few times that I used to think he was overrated. And one of the things I didn't like about him was that I thought he seemed lazy. Uh, he just seemed to be like, yeah, just go out there and say whatever and it doesn't matter. Like, um, you know, like uh, we talked about, well, some of these podcasts, you know, Smosh, like the people who are just like, hey, that's a funny idea. Let's jerk around. Markiplier. And they, you know, that they just throw it out there. But, you know, looking at him with a more critical eye, I see the work behind it. I get the feeling that the laziness is it's faux it's a, laziness. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a cult. It's a cultivated image. I think. Although I will say this, just to be an asshole about it, we didn't bring this up. He got in trouble. He hosted SNL the Saturday after Trump was elected, and he courted some controversy because in his monologue he got serious. He said, "Look, I'm going to give Donald Trump a chance. I think we should all give Donald Trump a chance." People are like, oh, that's terrible. Now, he commented on that in one of his later specials, and he's like, I was wrong. Donald Trump is fucking insane. He said, I wasn't playing it. I just said what was on my mind. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're hosting SNL. You're giving the monologue, and you didn't prepare it? It was a good monologue I, in spite of that. Yes, you're right. I know, but the hyper-Calvinist in me says, if you're doing your monologue in SNL, you fucking prepare that shit. It's Saturday night fucking live. Doesn't matter what I say. And if you at home watching this shit on Netflix, remember, bitch, you clicked on my face. So Noah Tarno is your dislike, finally, of Dave Chappelle, perceived or otherwise, based on jealousy. Well, yes, as I hint to it, the dislike I have from before, he's overrated, he's lazy, was almost pure jealousy. Was that I work hard and I don't get, a, you know, a one hundredth of the recognition that Dave Chappelle gets. That is pure jealousy. But that dislike, having paid more attention to him, has faded away. There's still some elements of dislike. In some of his things, he can be egomaniacal. He tempers it with, with these self-aware comments. Like, I think he says in one of his recent specials, I don't like stand-up that much anymore because it's too. I'm too good. He literally too says good. It. It's He's too like, easy. Yeah, I'm too Right. Good. I know this. He says, I know this sounds boastful, but it's too easy. I'll just come up with a punchline and then write the joke around it. I know it's going to be great. And I, I get you. And look, when you're at Dave Chappelle's level... You don't even have to be good. You could read the fucking phone book and people will laugh. What about you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I, I never had any pretense to being a stand-up. There are other things I might have wanted to do that were celebrity-based or at least you know, the, the, idea, the, the idea that I was dazzling people with my wit. Even if I had been a comedian, I don't think that Dave Chappelle succeeding would have 
robbed anything from my life just because there's no way the two of us would have covered any part of the spectrum. You would have I mean, been wanting to perform at the same clubs and in the same slots he got. You would want the same meetings with Comedy Central. Yeah, all right, maybe how about this? He always has pictures of himself with some really, really, really dope friends. That fact that he's like hanging out with most deaf and Obama and all these people, it's like, that's the kind of shit that I like, actually. It's like, what room are you in after yeah. the show? That's yeah. the kind of shit that makes me a little jealous is that, man, yeah, that totally. is ex- that's exactly the kind of rock and roll baller fucking yeah. bottles, bottle service shit. Oh. Can I can I tell you, I make my living doing corporate and private events. I'm an entertainer in corporate and private events. I'm not 95% not a public entertainer and I'm not famous. And and I but the thing that makes me not most angry, but really makes me angry is when I get to an event and like I have to like dig behind the, you know, the tech cabinet to plug stuff in and all this shit. Yeah. Because the, the egomaniac in me goes, I'm above this. I am the creative person. I'm the boss. Right? You're not tech. Like, yeah, you're not crew. Right. I should be, this is jealousy, I should be able to sit in the green room and wait till everything's perfect and I come up and do my thing. This kind of thing is below me is what I often say. And I know how that sounds and there's an element of it. But frankly, I've been doing this 17 years. I've been doing it at a high level. I get paid a good amount of money. Like, I shouldn't have to do this. But that's the way it is. When you're not at the level of a Dave Chappelle... You got to eat shit for as well as I'm doing to in certain measures. I am not at that level and it annoys me, but it's a, it's a diva like annoyance. Yeah, so, I hear you. Uh, so, no, I think that this is probably a foregone conclusion, but we're on the Felonian scale that with Jimmy Fallon being equal to uh, atomic entropy, the, the heat death of the universe. By the way, they're going to give Jimmy Fallon a Mark Twain prize someday. I know. And that's the happen. end. It's that's the end. They won't the give end. it to Smosh. They won't give it to my brother, my brother, and me. They won't give it to Markiplier, but they will give it to Jimmy Fallon. And You're not that wrong. will fucking yeah. suck. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, just probably Maybe down. they won't, though. I they never gave that. it. Maybe they won't. They never gave it to Johnny Carson. It didn't exist. Oh, that's right. He was, like, dead by then. Yeah, he was, like, dead by then. Anyway, so where on, the, where on the Felonian scale would uh, uh, Dave Chappelle fall? Let's limit the scale for now to entertainers. Let's even limit to comedic entertainers. So we're not talking about impossible burgers or the pronoun they or metal straws or whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I am going to, I might be forgetting something, but I'm going to get back to my criticism early on. I'm going to put him below Key and Peele because I think that element of play, while paying more attention, I found it and saw it and appreciated it. I think Key and Peele, as much as I like stand-up, I think stand-up is a limited art. You're a storyteller. Key and Peele... Good sketch comedy, I think, covers so many bases. And why I, one of the reasons I, all, I really think of Key and Peele as the gold standard of modern comedy on so many levels is they, they do it all. They tell funny stories. They have funny film techniques. They do funny voices, funny characters, funny costumes. They get at the political issues in a creative and thought-provoking way. There's just so much more to their production. Dave Chappelle is a terrific stand-up comic. He is an A1 stand-up comic. It's still just stand-up comedy. 
And I'm sure there are some people who hate sketch comedy. Look, part of the reason he walked away from Chappelle's show is he said he started feeling like sketch comedy was limited. And that's fair. It wasn't, he was more stand-up guy. And that is clearly his greatest strength. I see more effort in Key and Peele. And as we know, I put more value on effort. So I'm going to put him below Key and Peele. Is there someone I'm forgetting who we really no, liked who did comedy? I mean, we loved American Vandal, but that's... Yeah, but it's not, the, like you said, you're yeah. like limiting, you're limiting it to the kind of like this avenue uh, of, of yeah, but performers. Ameri- but American Vandal was was comedy. It was, but it wasn't. It, that was a TV show that was based on a team writing it, and and right. you know, this is this well, is that's less than you know. Right. That's we like we liked Bo Burnham a lot, and Bo Burnham's young. Let's see where where Bo Burnham is in twenty years. Yeah, sure. I could see Bo Burnham growing into something I like more than Dave Chappelle because I think that element of play is very much in Bo Burnham. I mean, I think Bo Burnham has the tools to become the greatest stand-up ever. I honestly believe that. I think Bo Burnham might have a better future being the sort of filmmaker type storyteller. Dave Chappelle is more my comedy. Bo Burnham isn't. At maybe at the same level of the career, the kind of stuff that Bo Burnham and Dave Chappelle were doing, Dave Chappelle seems like it was a lot more universal and a lot more mature in that it wasn't yeah. necessarily just designed for 15-year-olds. Uh, even no, though 15-year-olds could listen to it. But Bo Burnham's a young guy. And that's why I say, let's see where he is in 20 years. If he's doing the yeah, exact but- same shit in 20 years, whatever. But if he's really grown in a smart way, he could be the best of us all. I might might put him a tick above Key and Peele just because as great as Key and Peele was, I'm not a Key and Peele native. I'm a Key and Peele adopter. Uh, and Key and Peele came after all my formative sketch influences were kind of already set in stone. That's not to take anything away from them. That's just to say I already seen Mr. Show and all the things that I consider the great sketch. But Dave Chappelle came when I was my concrete was still wet and you could get handprints in them. And I felt like him coming about in 2000 when that kind of thing really mattered cements him really highly for me. Uh, and I really kind of like that about him. So I, I put him just a tick above Key and Pilp. He's no better than Key and Pilp. I just like him more. That's my point. And this is the rare topic that I'm going to like spend more time on now that we're done with it. I'm going to yeah. watch more Dave Chappelle now. I that says that. a lot. All right, Bill. We're about done. Take it home, my friend. We're about done. That's it. Just very soberly, we're going to end this thing. Okay, yeah. everybody. Uh, we have a vast, a vast suppository of episodes. <laughs> Wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear all of them, there's there's so many topics, everybody. You have any number of 106 episodes from all sorts of things, all over the cultural uh, panoply for that we talked about. It's a gift to you. In case you missed some of them, go back to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher to find them. Tweet to us, Noah and Bill Show. We encourage healthy discussion, even though we don't tend to have one. We do encourage it with the fans. We're relatable. We're, you know, we're personal. We, we, you know, we can interact. We can interact with the commoner, with the everyman. We could do that. We're relatable. There's no more way to be relatable than to say you're relatable. To mention it. Yeah, exactly. Write I'm hip. To us. I'm cool. I'm with it. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Again, in the interest of being relatable, you can interact with me and the bot that I've written to talk to you in a very human way on Twitter at William Scurry and my video content, my video essay series, American Caesar Salad, all 10 episodes plus the 10 that are coming teaser are on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And now my little buddy will tell you all about himself. I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, corporate and private trivia events, 
nationwide, coast to coast. Uh, we're doing our first event in Mexico in a few weeks. And uh, holidays coming up, holiday parties galore, and booking for 2020. You got it. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Big Quiz Thing. I'm also personally at Noah Tarno on Twitter. So until at such a time where the Mark Twain Prize is awarded to the comedian on everyone's radar, Al Molinaro of Happy Days, <laughs> we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2019.